Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, it is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur, and welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. You know, it is so great to be with you guys on another wonderful uh, Friday. Today, kicking off our month with November 4th, 2022. And we got a great show for you again uh, tonight. But let's get right into it, shall we? All right. Lots of things have been traversing in the world right now, and I'm sure you guys know about that. But the one thing is the evolution of USB. Have you ever thought about where USBs, uh, you know, came from, you know, where they started? Did it just pop up somewhere or, you know, did it really uh, do something? Um, Did it come out of some specific way? And I think today what you're going to learn from me is the story about, you know, where USB came from. Because when I share this with you, they're going to be like, really? I didn't know that was even, I didn't even know that came from there. So to, to get a little further, people say, but John, you know, um, where, where did USB uh, come from? Well, um, it was first introduced in 1996. Uh, the USB standard was developed by a number of American companies. Uh, including IBM, Intel Corporation, and the Microsoft Corporation as a simpler way of connecting hardware to personal computers. But it was actually in the uh, doldrums of IBM that the idea started to first get, let's say, a little bit of legs. And then Intel jumped on board and Microsoft as well. Um, So... um, they had come up with the idea in IBM and then Intel uh, in Oregon is where the engineers actually started to, you know, make this work. And um, they came up with something that was a little bit off the wall, but then suddenly it worked. And so the next thing I want to share with you is, I guess it's going to be the evolution of USB to, you know, where we are today. And I think that might be a little bit challenging for some people because, you know, there's so much to USB. We've got all different types of connectors and stuff like that. But where did USB start? Now we know how it kind of evolved, right? But the evolution of USB, I mean, I think that's um, it's something that a lot of us take for granted, okay? 
And uh, USB, by the way, stands for Universal Serial Bus. So as I said, it was released. So there were some pre-releasings in 1995. But in 1996, the USB standard was maintained by the USB uh, team. And it was the USB IF. And there have been four generations of USB specifications. One, two, three, and now we have four. So there's also the less known wireless USB standard, which came around. So USB 1.X came around in 1996. Uh, it was actually released in August of 1998 to the public. And it was the very earliest version. Um, and it's what Microsoft designated, I quote unquote, legacy free PC. It provided a master slave interface and a tiered uh, technology which was capable of supporting up to 127 devices and a max of six tiers or hubs. So the master uh, was basically a, a regular PC with different uh, slaves or devices linked via cable. And the cable length for 1.1 was limited to five meters. Now, for those of you out there like, John, what the heck is five meters? So five meters to feet is probably what you guys want to know. And that's 16 point. 40 feet in case you were getting lost in in that uh that story there so uh usb 2.0 evolved and um they started to develop this from the usb 1.1 standard and it was um released actually in 2000 now the main difference between 1.1 was the data transfer rates right uh they had the high speed rate of 480 megabits per second but it's important to note that um, even though a device um, you know, was labeled as 2.0, they may not be able to meet the full transfer speed the cable or the bus is being plugged into. So data encoding method for the version of USB and Unicode uh, was now announced. And in addition to improvements in data capability, USB 2 also saw an increase in the power provision to 1.8a. So USB was able to provide charge for smartphones that were increasingly uh, charging faster and also more power hungry. And so if we compare 2.0 to 1 point, oh, basically it provided a much more need improvement in the current capability, okay? And um, then we jumped all the way up to USB 3.0 technology. And that was released on November 12, 2008. So 3.0 adds what they called super speed transfer mode which associated backward compatible plugs, receptacles, and cables. And so the SSP, super speed plugs and receptacles are identified with a distinct logo and the blue inserts. And in a standard format, USB 3.0 has also introduced the UASP protocol, which provides a faster speed of transfer uh, than the um, BOT, the bulk only transfer protocol, which is what was used in the, uh, in the past. So USB 3.1 came about in 2013, roughly, and it had two different versions. The first one was USB 3.0, the super speed transfer mode, and it was labeled 3.1 as generation one. The second version introduced the new super speed plus and the transfer mode uh, under the label 3.1 gen two doubled the maximum date signaling rate the maximum data signal rate, I should say, to 10 gigabits per second while reducing the line encoding overhead 
to just 3% by changing the encoding scheme to 128B over 132B. Now, USB 3.2 was released in September of 2017, and it did preserve, uh, I mean, the existing standard, okay, of, uh, you know, of, of what we knew about in USB 3.1. So, um, data mod modules, uh, basically, and uh, the actual modes of them introduced two new super speed plus transfer modes over the USB-C connector. So that's the really small connector. We'll talk more about connectors later. With data rates of 10 and 20 gigabits, okay? That's 1.25 and 2.5 gigabits per second. So um, the increase in bandwidth is a result of a multi-lane operation or what I like to call multi-path. And basically you had the two wires and they were intended for basically flip-flop abilities, send and receiving. But now they were able to use each one to be able to send and receive. Therefore, we would get 20 gigabits per second. So uh, wireless USB rolled out around September 2010. And this was kind of a little bit unknown because wireless USB as the name suggests, uh, is a wireless connection in which data can be transferred. Now, the standard in USB had not been as widely adopted as the standard released in 2010. Uh, the abbreviation WUSB was used, although USB-IF does not encourage the use of the abbreviation wireless USB frequencies in the band of 3.1 to 10.6 gigahertz. And it produces a data bandwidth of 53 to 480 megabits per second over a distance of three to 10 meters. So what is three to 10 meters if we put that in? So a three, three meter would actually come out to be 9.84 feet and 10 meters would be 32.8 feet. So again, 9.84 feet uh, versus 32.80 um, feet. So I think when we start understanding where and why USB is gone, where it has, we probably have a lot of questions for ourselves. And the question is, you know, why, John, did they even come up with the idea of USB? And I think the real main reason is that people were getting frustrated. You all remember the parallel cables, right? That you had to uh, take a minute or two to actually put on the back of your uh, printer, and then you had to um, basically take the little clip and you had to clip them on each end. And some of them even used serial before that, right? And some had serial, some printers. So you had to take your connection over and you had to like, you had to put it in and then you had to tighten the two little, uh, little knobs on each end to hold it in place. And sometimes it was a real pain in the neck because you couldn't get that in there. So you had to have an adapter so you could get that screwed in with a screwdriver. And then you had to extend it out so you could get the other nubs in and it would hold. Now, that took a couple minutes to put those on. Didn't take forever. But with USB, universal serial bus um, technology, the connectors and plugs, you could plug and unplug things in just seconds. So I think that made a huge difference to people that wanted to uh, use their technology more readily, but they ne necessarily did not want to get involved with what was happening.
So I think the idea of this was in people's minds for a long time, but nobody really knew what it was. We knew that we need to have a better way for connectivity and, and serial and parallel was just not going to cut it. Especially back then, uh, I mean, there wasn't this big emergence into more digital type devices like cameras, and smartphones. It wasn't so popular when we first started out. And uh, then, of course, we evolved into um, USBs being able to go to, you know, eight, right? And having a support for um, basically, uh, you know, being able to go to a, a, a that, that could do that could do eight megs. Now we're up to things that can do close to a, go to a terabyte or larger. And you probably asked me, John, you know, what is the largest USB stick today? And, you know, I'd say that's an amazing question. Um, so the largest uh, data stick today is by uh, Kingston. They're one of the ones that make it. And um, they make a one terabyte. And also there is now uh, a two terabyte. Now, you might say to me, John, this sounds like it's expensive. Well, here's the funny thing. A two terabyte large storage thumb drive, flash stick, right? It's under 30 bucks. It's under 30 bucks. So that means that the technology for thumb drives, USB drives, has definitely evolved because if we were to look at usb drives way back then i would say we'd be paying easily a hundred dollars for something like that and so with the adoption of our world moving toward more um media type devices whether that's going to be displays whether that's going to be your smartphones whether that's cameras, whether that's headphones, right? Uh, whether it's smart I.O. devices, okay? Or um, whether it's even things that you have in your home that are like, um, let's say, uh, things that could be for the kitchen. But when they have a smart component to them, they probably have a USB. Now, you might have remembered about, oh, gosh, not too long ago, about a week ago, I talked about Universal Serial Bus, and I talked about the fact that a standard was adopted. That's right. The European Union, if you guys remember, adopted a standard forcing USB-C. So the EU, uh, EU uh, European Union, formally adopted a law requiring Apple to support USB-C chargers. And this law requires Apple and other electronic manufacturers uh, to adopt the USB-C as a universal charging standard in the European Union as uh, this was clearing its final procedural hurdle and it was passed. So uh, the question is, is this going to be something the U.S. adopts? Don't know. I think it'd be a great thing. So. Basically, USB-C iPhones need to be um, in the standard by 2024. So that's all iPhones, right? All models sold in Europe, I should say. 
as the European Union has reached this agreement of a common charge import. So you might say, John, why are they doing this? Why, why, why did the European Union adopt a standard for forcing USB-C? They wanted to streamline the number of cables and you know chargers. I mean, I'm sure if you open your drawer, right? I'm sure you don't just have one cable. You have this cable, you have that cable. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. So what are the different types of, of cables? All right, we'll go there in just a minute. But I think something even more important that we have to talk about is more the evolution. So uh, in 2017, we talked about the USB 3.2 standard came out. Then we said in 2010, the wireless USB standard came out. And then August 29th, 2019, USB 4 specification was released. And it was based on the Thunderbolt 3 protocol. So it supports 40 gigabytes of throughput and is compatible backward with Thunderbolt 3 and backward compatible with USB 3.2 and 2.0. Obviously, the speeds would, would change. They would go down. So this architecture changes the cable and the way it's sharing data, okay, and the standards. But also what changed in USB 4.0, you know what else came in, in 4.0? USB 4.0 has more features, okay? So one thing I want to tell you is that USB 2.0, we started to have the plug and play where you could actually plug and play to a media device that was that was supported. So USB 4 uh, tops out at 40 gigabits per second, twice the speed of the latest version of the USB 3 and eight times the speed of the original USB 3 standard. That's pretty amazing. And you're probably saying, well, gee, of course it's faster, but it supports the maximum speed of the previous cables so it can always go backwards, right? So USB 4 brings together speeds, compatibility, and you know what else USB 4 brings? It brings improved display data splitting. So USB 3 introduced the ability to use a single cable to send power and data and a video signal. Um, but now, okay, over a single cable, which was great, but sometimes depending on how you set it, um, it could only send one or the other or speeds were greatly reduced on one of the uh, pathways. So the 4 does this much better. So if you have a monitor that uses 8 gigabits per second for its video bandwidth, and the full 32 gigabits per second will be available for other purposes. It's just one of those behind the scene changes that's gonna make life better and a lot more efficient uh, for everyone that uses technology. So there's more good news about USB 4. Um, it doesn't use a new connector. So it's still gonna use the same connectors that the USB 3 technology used. Uh, and uh, we're still in a little bit of a transition period because this rectangular port and the small trapezoidal one uh, the big trapezoidal one is uh, the sleek USB-C. And um, you can't go wrong even if you try because changing this again would be disastrous. And we're not going to change USB-C. That is being the standard. It's staying. If you don't like it, too bad. Um, so um, now some bad news. 
it won't be here for a while, right? Is probably what you what you've been hearing is the changes. But USB-C has made changes. When I say for a while, the fact that it's being adopted everywhere. So USB is pretty amazing, and um, they're gonna have USB 4.0, 4.1, 4.2. Um, but people were saying that they don't plan to get into it as most people want to keep it as simple as possible. And when, and if it goes faster, we simply have to have a faster version of the certification and the brand, right? So people say to me, John, will there be a USB 4.1? And so USB 4 is quite amazing, right? But before we can appreciate USB 4, there's something else we have to know. You know what that's called? PDL. Yep. Power, power delivery. Power delivery. So USB 4 version 2.0 boosts protocol tunneling by leveraging larger bandwidth with the expectations of improving USB 3.2. Okay, great which is tunneling past the 20 gigabits per second at 40 gigabits per second. So USB-IF expects to publish a spec um, as well as relevant uh, updates to the USB-C uh, standards, hopefully by, hoping by mid-November. So that's still not even done. So what is, uh, what is uh, USB power delivery? USB smart, I'll call it smart power delivery. Well, um, we all know that as devices are getting, let's say, more robust, even though they're smaller, they, they're still sometimes taking more power. We already talked about the need that all these devices can have. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Different power requirements, right? So with the smart power delivery, the device is able to ask for as much power as it needs. So normally each device is charged by USB, will have their own separate adapter, but no more. With the universal USB power delivery system, it will automatically be able to uh, adapt. So USB PD or USB power delivery is something that I believe is going to really change the world. But I want to dive into that more. So the specs of the USB power delivery. So there's an increased power level from existing USB standards of up to 240 watts. And the new 28 volt 
36 volt and 48 volt fixed voltages enable up to 140 watts, more than 80 watts and 240 watts power levels of obviously, you know, respectively. Um, so when we think about this, I think people are trying to understand well, what is this and what is U.S. power delivery? So um, U.S. power delivery is a very specific standard for pretty much how power is going to be delivered on, on USB. Uh, so we have U.S. power delivery 1.0. Um, in profile one, that's going to give five volts, two amps, and that's 10 uh, watts of power. Great for smartphones, hard drives, small accessories. USB power delivery 1.0 profile two is going to give 12 volts, 1.5 amps, 18 watts, Great for smartphones, tablets, ultrabooks, and larger accessories. So the one is good for smartphones, hard drives, and small accessories. But two is smartphones, tablets, ultrabooks, and larger accessories. See, because it has a higher power uh, requirement. In USB delivery 1.0 profile 3, it's still 12 volts, but a current max draw of 3 amps and a power rating of 36 watts. This is going to be good for future smartphones, notebooks, displays, and, of course, hubs. In the U.S. Power Delivery 1.0 Profile 4, uh, the voltage is 20 volts now with a current of 3 amps and a power of 60 watts. Great for larger notebooks, hubs, docking stations, etc. In the U.S. Power Delivery 1.0 in Profile 5, it's 20 volts at 5 amps. Wow. That's a big difference. Now, I got to caution you that when we get into USB power delivery profile five, because it is for workstations, hubs, and external graphic cards, it's going to require a specially rated 100 watt USB-C charging cable, or you may have a fire. I like to see that the smart delivery system would automatically detect the cable. And if it doesn't see it, I'd like to see that it doesn't provide any more power. That's what I'd like to see. I don't think we're there yet. In the USB power delivery 2.0 and 3.0 world, one profile one will give five volts at 0.1 to 3.0 amps at 10 watts. Great for headphones, small accessories. In the 2.0, 3.0 USB power delivery profile two, it's great for nine volts, 1.67 to 3.0 amps, 15 to 27 watts, smartphones, cameras, and yes, drones. Drones are becoming very popular. In the U.S. Power Delivery 2.0, 3.0, and profile number three, 15 volts, 1.8 to 3.0 amps, 27 to 45 watts, tablets and small laptops. And in the U.S. Power Delivery 2.0, 3.0, it's 20 volts, but it's 3.0 to 5 amps. Now, you notice something similar. In the USB Power Delivery 1.0, profile five, it was a 5 amp with 100 watts. In the USB 2.0, 3.0, is 3.0 to 5 amps max with a 45 to 100. So you see, that's also going to require that special USB-C um, 100 watt uh, charging cable. Now, I think a lot of people are just fed up with the fact that they got to buy all these cables. So the question you might be asking is, hey, John, when, when is the U.S. going to make USB-C ports, charging ports, uh, mandatory? You know, that's a great question. 
Um, I think the fact um, that European Union is doing it, I think the U.S. will eventually follow. Um, and once Europe sets that standard, I think uh, America as a whole will will continue to follow that. But it's still a challenge. And um, there's a lot of people that don't understand the how and the why. And, you know, this is getting stuck up in a lot of politics, right? And and I think some politics is good, but I think in this case, we're really having a problem. And that problem is, what is it that you really want in your device? And if you could just go and buy a universal cable with a universal charging plug, I think that's great, as long as it's small, and I mean, if you're going to use that that 2.0, the 1.05, or like we said, the USB uh, 2.0, 3.05, you're going to need that USB-C extra 100 watt uh, cable. But I think it should intelligently switch so that you don't have to worry if the cable is going to support it or not support. It. I think that's really what I'd like to see. But I am very happy to see that um, USB-C is making changes. Now we know it brought audio to the world, right? Uh, now we have displays. So I like what they did with Thunderbolt and then they kind of made USB-C because a lot of people think that Thunderbolt is USB-C and it's not, it doesn't have to be. They're, they're really two different things. They have different, different protocols. But I think the thing that most people are gonna enjoy the most is that they can just hiccup hook up their device in seconds and not to be, oh my gosh, let me see if I got the right cable. I mean, that's just horse nonsense, right? Let me see if I got the cable. If I don't, I got to go online and order it or it didn't come with this cable, right? Just be nice to know that every device from the microphone, from your uh, smartphones, so even some devices that you buy at home that are also smart devices, that could be your Alexa, that could be your your Google uh, um, Voice or what have you devices. I think that's gonna be amazing, and I think also like your your besides your iPhones, your your IP phones. It'd be nice to know that I don't need to go crazy and say, "Oh my gosh, what cable?" How many of you ever remember? I don't know if you ever guys remember the game Merlin. I don't, I don't know if anybody remembers that game. Maybe some of you guys don't. But but what what is the game Merlin? Is, is what you're probably saying to me. Some people are like John. What the heck is Merlin? So Merlin uh, actually um, was first made by Parker Brothers in 1978, and it's this kind of rectangular device. It's nine and a half inches, according to Wikipedia, which we'll, we'll quote. And the player of the game console is a matrix of 11 buttons. And it contains red LEDs. And these buttons can either light up or flash. And um, they do this in a host of different ways in a red plastic housing. And bearing sight, you could resemble to an overgrown touch-tone telephone, but not really exactly. So there's four game selections and control buttons. And they're also placed at the bottom of the unit. So a speaker takes up the top part of the unit. 
supporting electronics, including a simple microprocessor, are contained within the shell of the game. And Parker Brothers later released Merlin Master Merlin with more games and the rarer split second, where all the games involve time with a more advanced display, having line segments around the dots. Now, you're probably saying to me, John, what the heck is the Merlin um, uh, ad advanced uh, game? All right, so Merlin, the advanced game, uh, obviously had some pretty cool things. But, you know, Merlin had all these cool things that you could do. And um, they had a multi-game uh, that you could do. You could do things like, you know, uh, basically press the button. And if you're wondering what else, there were just a lot of different things. Patterns, you could even do, like, playing different things with it. Uh, it was a fun game, and I know I spent hours um, – you know, playing Merlin. If you want more specifics, so um, what what specific um, games were on Merlin? Uh, now you're gonna make me think. So you had the game of chance, you had strategy, you had memory, and then you had logic and skill. And you could even uh, teach Merlin to play music. That's the one I was referring to. And uh, you can even compete with him, and you'll discover that Merlin is very talkative. Um, so Merlin um, is for one or two players, and they said it's ages seven to adult. And I remember having to take the uh, back off, and that's where you put the, I believe it was the nine volt or whatever, whatever I think it was the batter was that in there. I'm trying to remember. I don't still have my Merlin, uh, but I'm trying to remember now. Actually, no, it wasn't nine volt battery. Merlin took... Um, are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Merlin took what kind of batteries? Uh, took what kind of batteries? I'm trying to remember. I think it was, it, it wasn't a 9-volt battery. Uh Merlin, um, you know, the game, if I remember right, you had to put in, I think it was either AA, uh, four AA-sized batteries. That's what it was. And I always hated games. You had to put more than one battery. And I liked it when you just had, you know, just like one battery, like like a nine volt. But, you know, they, they did the design like that. I also remember uh, I had this robot, we'll get a little off topic, but I had this robot and there was one set of batteries you put in for the motor and then you put another battery in um for the lights and i remember ro one robot i had um it was kind of a little scary looking you know when you were only a couple years old and he had like fire in his stomach and it was just kind of like this robot movie but you saw like the, the fire in his stomach almost reminded me like a dragon but that's not what it was and it had these pistons so but wouldn't it be nice today that all of our games had USB-C connections? I think that would make so many people happy. Can you think about that? Think about how you could keep your draws with so much more room because you now have one adapter. 
or maybe you have one universal adapter, you have three or four of them, but it's all the same adapter because they all take the same different device. And the beauty of that is that not all devices need to be charged at one time. I think that's really uh, the, 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 um, the amazing thing there. But uh, getting into another thought, which is the USB-C cable. So uh, there is, is uh, so USB cable uh, basically, uh, and, and this is the whole issue is, you know, will the USB-C cable make Apple's iPhone obsolete? Hmm. I think that's a toss-up question because USB-C is becoming more common on Apple products, but the lightning cable still has a big role to play. So will Apple get rid of the, 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 the lightning connector? I don't know. They're saying that Apple will drop the iPhone lightning port in favor of the USB-C, but they're really going to have to retool things. So I'm very psyched to see a phone that's going to have a USB-C and they're saying that they're going to have it out by 2023. Now you remember why they're doing this because let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to make one phone for Europe, one phone for the United States. They'll make some little tweaks, but they don't want to get into that. They want to keep production costs as low as possible. But how can you keep production costs low when you've got all these stupid parts that you've got to always worry about? I mean, I think that's the biggest um, the biggest challenge. I, th I think that's the biggest challenge. And if you could understand that manufacturing a product needs to be efficient, cost-effective, and you need to be able to be consistent. I can tell you that there have been a lot of lots of issues with the lightning connector because some people break them off. And I think the USB-C is just going to be, in my opinion, um, this is just my opinion, uh, the USB-C is more rugged uh, than the lightning. And... The USB-C is going to handle the fast charging, and it has more protection precautions. So USB-C cable has a higher specification on internal resistance than the 2.4A lightning cable. And with that understood, you can use any cable and charger under its maximum specification. It should be safe to use as long as you're using, uh, as long as you don't need that power profile too, right? Uh, uh, which is five or let's say profile uh, five under USB three. So either way, uh, I think people are going to be a lot happier with that. Um, I think that's gonna make people really, really happy. And um, I know that um, people don't quite understand but i know that once this becomes let's say mainstream in life it's not even going to be an issue of if or why or when or how people are just going to be so on board with this that they they're going to wonder how the heck did they ever live without usb-c so as usb-c 
becomes more of a standard. It might even lower the cost of the product. Probably not, but they could pass that on to some manufacturers so they don't have to always develop all these different charges or cables. It's definitely going to make you, if you manufacture something, a lot easier in a support capacity because you just need to stock one type of charger. The only thing you'd have to do is if you were going above um, and needing to go to profile five for USB 1.0 or USB 2.0, 3.0 profile five, you have to give the 100, um, you know, what rated cable. That's it. Other than that, you can use the cables for anything you need. So uh, pretty interesting stuff, right? Pretty cool. Our, our last topic for today, I think you guys are going to really appreciate is Netflix. Constant ads are frustrating customers. I mean, what's going on? What's going on, Netflix? And I think, you know, the question is, are people, are people going to be more upset? And really, this is part of Netflix's new wannabe uh, streaming model, where they're charging $6.99 and saying, oh, gee, we'll give you Netflix $6.99 streaming. But then you got to sit through all these crappy commercials. And ads will be shown only to customers of new or cheaper tiers of the service and only on certain content. So this really doesn't explain much crap. <laughs> it's saying that if it's less than $6.99, you're going to be shown ads. But if I pay $6.99, I'm still going to be shown ads only on certain content. That seems like an oxymoron. And I feel that people are not going to want to put up with this. I think the worst thing you could do, everyone, and, and Netflix, is to tell people that this is where it's going. And this just started uh, November 3rd, just the other day, yesterday. So um, Netflix ad tier is here now. The streaming company just announced yesterday that they're having this new big effort to jumpstart subscriber growth. Great. But now that they're giving away the kitchen sink and then they're kind of taking it back from you, I have a serious problem that this might piss off some people. I mean, I'm just saying. I know if I'm getting a service for $2.99 a month or $5.99, I'm thinking I'm going to be paying for it. And then you're showing me ads. They're saying on selective content. But hey, Netflix, you're really not telling us which content. So I think this is going to come back to bite them. I really do. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I am John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. It's been a privilege, been a pleasure, been an honor to be with you this amazing evening. I hope you'll like, love, and support the channel. Then you know what I'd love you to do? I'd love you to tag your friends, your colleagues, and your associates and share this out with everyone you know. And then once you do that, I would really appreciate if you click on the PayPal link below any one of our videos. And make the choice to buy my team and I a slice of watermelon, cup of coffee, or a delicious dessert. Either way, we'll always be grateful for those pennies and dollars. We'll invest them into new hardware, new technology, new equipment, new software, even new facilities to give them the most jaw-dropping motivational content. Hey, if you're looking to be a, a guest on the JMOR Tech Talk Show, visit jmor.com. Click on Reach Out Today. Tell us why we should consider you to be a guest. And if we'd like to, we'll invite you for a pre-show talk. And if that works out, we'll invite you to be a guest on the show. I hope you guys had a great 
rest of uh, your uh, day. And I hope that in doing so, that USB and USB-C is going to be something that you're going to choose to adopt. Because like it or not, if you don't, um, life's going to become a little challenging for you. I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur, the host of Jmore Tech Talk. And I want you all to have a wonderful weekend. And I'll see you guys when? Oh, next Friday, November 11th. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. Suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non invasive, non surgical, and drug free. Start your journey to a pain free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303 292 9992, now in Lowry or downtown.